Good morning. It's hard to follow that. You can see that there's missionaries who love the Lord who have gone all over God's creation because they love their Savior, yes? And you can, see, you can clearly see the love of Christ in them. i am uh, uh, been here for about, uh, well, I think around 10 days, and I have enjoyed my time here and learning about your culture and meeting many of you. Uh, only God knows if I'm called here or not, but I am definitely called to give you this message because I'm standing here right now. Uh, this is not my usual type of sermon. I usually like to preach the big idea of a scripture, uh, but I am going to be going all over the place with scripture. So what I would encourage you to do, other than three or four that I'm going to ask you to go to, just write down some of these scripture references and you can read them more in depth on your own if you choose to do so. It is a missionary uh, sermon this morning. What I will go ahead and do is read a couple of uh, scriptural verses. I'll say a quick prayer, and then I'll begin the sermon, okay? All right. First, I'm going to go ahead and read from Isaiah chapter 21, verses 11 and 12, and then Matthew chapter 28, 18 through 20, which is the Great Commission. Now listen carefully. This is God's word. For you. Isaiah 21, first, verses 11 and 12. An oracle concerning Duma. Someone calls to me from Seir, Watchman, what is left of the night? And he repeats, Watchman, what is left of the night? And the watchman replies, The morning is coming, but also the night. Now, Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of age. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you for this opportunity to be here in Hong Kong and to share just this message, this particular message, for these godly people who call you Savior and Lord. I just pray, Lord, that my words will be your words and that you will be glorified. I pray you open up every mind, every heart, and every ear to hear and to what you want them to apply to their lives. It's in your precious name I pray, Lord. Amen. I have worked in the four corners of the former Soviet Union since 2001, so we're running up on 15 years, and I have seen a lot of experiences during those 15 years. But there's one story that I think encapsulates. It works, right? That at least... Um, it, it's a story of a real life of a, of a girl named Anastasia that, that has really touched my heart and is, if nothing less, the poster child for my ministry. Her name is Anastasia. When I first met Anastasia, she was about four years old, and I'd like to first start by telling you her story. Anastasia was taken to the train station 
with her mother holding her hand, with a pacifier in her mouth. And her, Anastasia's mother, whose name I do not know and whose face I have not met, said to Anastasia, I want you to stand in this corner right here and do not move. So Anastasia was an obedient child, and she did. And then her mother most likely looked at her one last time and walked away. Anastasia, without knowing it, became an orphan. And I do not know how long she stood there, but after a period of time, I can just imagine the tears started rolling down her face, and she was wondering what happened to her mother. But she stayed in the corner as an obedient child, waiting for her mother to come back, who never came. She started to cry. Some Ukrainian mother came to her, took the pacifier out of her mouth, and realized she not only had a cleft lip, but somebody had cut the lip in several places trying to fix it and did more damage. They said, where is your mother? But she could not talk. All she could do is grunt and point a finger. Someone got the police involved, and she went to an orphanage. And that is when I met her. And I feel very honored that we were able to invest in this child's life. Watchmen, what is about to come? The morning is coming, but also the night. How can someone abandon their child? Unfortunately, it happens way too often in Ukraine and around the world. Why? Because we live in a very dark world. But there's good news that came out of Anastasia's story. We helped her get her surgery done so she could smile like any other child takes for granted every day. And guess what? In the orphanage, she started speaking. And she started playing, and it just so happened that she became the most joyful child in the entire orphanage. And then there was these Americans that came from Alabama who met Anastasia. They fell in love with her. They took her home, and she's adopted and living in America, and she has a better life than most kids in America. Why? Because God never forgot about that child. It says in Psalm chapter 27, verse 10, that even if your father and mother abandon you, the Lord will hold you close. And that was true for Anastasia's life. She is symbolic of that she lives in a dark world, but if Christ intersects in her life, there will be light. In Ukraine, where I have served for 15 years, myself and my staff, we have seen more than we would like to see. Currently, there's a war going on in eastern Ukraine within a couple-hour drive to where I serve now. And the Russian government has taken over my former university where I used to teach and made it its headquarters. I have known many people that have had to abandon their homes and go to far reaches of the Ukraine to just get away from the war. I have a good friend that was shot in the stomach. I have another former student whose 12-year-old boy was just riding on a bike and someone shot him in the head just for target practice. The morning is coming, but also the night. So we work with these refugees who have no homes. We give them as much hope as we can. 
We give them food at times. We teach their kids. We love on them. We counsel them. We do whatever we can to shine the light of Christ into these lives. We do that not just with the refugees. We do it with the orphans. I have seen a man murdered in front of me. I've se- I have been arrested. I have been arrested and persecuted and questioned for about four hours by about 20 policemen. Why? Because I was singing Christian songs in public. Well, if you heard me sing, then you'd understand why. (laughs) I've seen lives destroyed by drugs and alcoholism. People are being sold into sexual slavery and human trafficking every day. And that's just one country. And so in the last 15 years, God has allowed us to invest in some of those lives because we understand that the darkness is thick. I don't take much joy in it because there's a lot of light that still needs to shine. But that's just Ukraine. And so with the humility of of, of the resources that God has given us, we do the best that we can. And by God's grace, we have reached thousands and thousands of people. But I was doing some research, and this is what I've discovered because the night is long and the world is big, that there are 2.8 billion people that live on less than $2 a day. Did you know this? Did you know that 21,000 people die of starvation every day, most of them children, brothers and sisters? That comes out to be 7.2 people, or a person dying every 7.2 seconds. Even though Ukraine has a lot of orphans in the world, there's 163 million orphans. In the past hour, since you started this church service, 38 children have received HIV. 240 children have become orphaned, and 1,604 orphans have become homeless because they aged out. They got too old to live in the orphanage. Seer, seer, what's coming? The morning is coming but also the night. I'm giving you some hard stats, but I don't want you to turn off your ears because there is a morning part. But I want you to, I just want to add one more thing. You know, a lot of people think that living as a Christian is easy. Some of you in this room know that's not true. Right now in North Korea, there's 70 to 100,000 Christians imprisoned. And if you've followed that at all, and I think some of you have, that many of these Christians are imprisoned in prison box or in yeah prison boxes that are only like three feet high and three to four feet wide, so they cannot fully lay down and they're dark. And so what they and then they have spikes in the back, and so they can't necessarily lean back, and they have to be on their knees, and they can just angle or tilt to one side. And if they do get out alive, possibly they'll be blind or crippled. Why? Because they're Christians. June 23rd, 2014, 80 Christians were publicly executed because they had a small Bible on their palm of their hand. Don't tell me that Christianity does not cost you anything. Someone today said that they think I'm sheltered. That is furthest from the truth. Darkness is a real, brothers and sisters. And the scriptures tell us about it. Proverbs 4.19 says, The way of the wicked is like deep darkness. They do not know what makes them stumble. Isaiah 62, which we 
which, which I'll talk about a little bit more, says, Darkness covers the earth, and the thick darkness is over all the people. And Job chapter 12, 24 and 25, says that the leaders of the earth, they, they wander through trackless waste. They scramble in darkness with no light. He makes them stagger like a person who is drunk. Yes, it is true that the darkness covers the earth, and there's a thick darkness that covers the people. So the beginning verse or, uh, that I read earlier today, the oracle, someone asked him, Watchman, what is left of the night? What is left of the night? And the, mo- the watchman replied, The morning is coming, but also the night. And so I think I've given you a little bit of a picture that we do live in a dark world, but there is light. There is light. Now, I want you to go with me to Isaiah chapter 60. Can you put that up or no? If not, read, please, go to your Bible. I want you to go to chapter 60 of Isaiah and then chapter 9. Isaiah 60, verse 1. I'm giving you some hard stuff up front because I want you to understand that we live in a dark world. You knew that. But I needed you to tell, to know exactly what's going on in just a few pockets of the world. Isaiah chapter 60, verses 1 through 4. Arise, shine your light, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord rises upon who? Upon you. See, the darkness covers the earth, and the thick darkness is over the peoples, but the Lord rises upon you. And his glory appears over who? You. Nations will come to your light. That is the light of Christ also in us in the New Testament area. And kings will, and kings to the brightness of your dawn. Lift up your eyes and look about you. Now go to Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2 please. This is very key. Isaiah chapter 9 verse 2. The peoples walking in darkness. Talking about the darkness, right? The peoples walking in darkness have seen what? A great light on those living in the land of the shadow of death. A light has dawned. You have enlarged the nation, increased their joy. They rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest, as men rejoice when dividing the plunder. The light has dawned. Do you know this is also in the New Testament? It is only referenced once in the Bible outside of this Isaiah chapter 2 passage. Do you know where it is? In Matthew chapter 4, right after Satan has tempted Jesus, right after John the Baptist has been imprisoned, right after Jesus treks back up to Capernaum where he's going to live, Jesus comes and he quotes this scripture and says, The people living in darkness have seen a great light, and those living in the land of the shadow of death, a light has dawned. That's chapter 4 of Matthew, verse 16. In the very next verse, The very next verse, after quoting Isaiah, verse 17 says, From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, the kingdom of God is near. The light that dawned upon the earth was Jesus Christ. But we as Christians are given the light of Christ when the Holy Spirit enters our life. Our light shines just like that beautiful missionary couple. Did you see their face? 
shining the light of Christ. And they are making a difference. And every missionary and every pastor is trying to make a difference. So from that time on, Jesus preached, repent for the kingdom of God is near. And as as he walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers. Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting the net into the lake, for they were fishermen. And what is it that Jesus first said right after Isaiah chapter 9 was quoted, that a light has dawned, which is Jesus Christ? What is the very first thing that Jesus said? Come, follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. You see, this light of Christ is, light of the world is Jesus Christ. But he gave us a command. He gave us an ancient call. It is that great commission that we just read early on, which says, what Jesus said to his disciples, and he says to us, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. That was not just an ancient call for his disciples, brothers and sisters. That was a call to you and to me. And so the question I want to ask you is, are you going to go? Are you going to make disciples? And are you going to baptize people in the name of Jesus Christ? This couple's trying to do it. My ministry's ministries tried to do it. The question is, what is your call? The darkness is thick. The morning is coming, but also the night. And so when God gave us this command to go and make disciples of all nations, I want to ask you, I want to challenge you, I want to exhort you, I want to encourage you, what is your call? What country are you from, and why did God call you here? Do you really think it's just because he wants you to be employed? Or does he divinely called you here for a purpose to which is greater than yourself? Because my assumption is there's a lot of people in Hong Kong, even though they're very beautiful and have great values of family and whatnot, they need the light of Christ. So the question is... What are you going to do to influence those people in your sphere of influence? Because nothing happens by chance. Whether you're in business, whether, whether you're a worker, you have an opportunity to shine the light of Christ so that morning will come. Now go back to the Great Commission there, if you could. Matthew chapter 28. Instead of calling the Great Commission, I wish they called it the Great Sandwich. The Great Sandwich, Ron. Wait, do you not have breakfast or lunch today? Why would you call it the Great Sandwich? Because there are some great observations in here that you can take. So read with me. First, I would say that there is what's called the Great Affirmation. Look what it says in verse 8 of chapter 28 of Matthew. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. That is the great affirmation. Everything belongs to Jesus. Everything. And then we've got the Great Commission where we're we're exhorted to go and make disciples. 
and to be that light and penetrate the, the darkness. But then there's a great promise. And that promise is that Jesus will be with you till the very end of age. So he got the great affirmation that everything has been given to Jesus and he has absolute authority. And then there's that promise that he's with you till the very end of the age. So the question is, are you going to do you par your part and be the middle of the sandwich? Are you going to go? Are you already here? Great place to be. Are you going to make disciples? Are you going to risk when the Lord gives you opportunities? And so I want to challenge you and exhort you, since this is a missions month, not just to hear from missionaries. Yes, it's good to know that we're trying to make a difference in the world. We're trying to change lives in the name of Jesus Christ and to bring hope and light and goodness and love and joy and peace all in the name of Jesus. And as the Holy Spirit comes down upon the people like a canopy, canopy, we try to do that. But we need your help. Missions isn't just about what the missionaries do. Missions is about what you do. The Apostle Paul, you know him, right? The Apostle Paul was the persecutor of the church before he found Christ, yes? He was promoting the darkness. He was on the dark side, so to speak, the Darth Vader side. He was the one that was casting the thumbs down to kill and to persecute the Christians. But then it says in Galatians chapter 1 that, <coughs> amazingly, that God had set him apart from birth. And it says that he was called by the grace of God. And God was willing to reveal his son to himself. And he was saved. The morning penetrated the darkness. The light shined in the darkness. And you can say, well, Ron, that's the Apostle Paul. He had a special calling on his life. Yeah, he, he was called by God. But me, I'm just an average person. I mean, who am I? Right? Who am I? What can I contribute? Well, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 4 and 5 says that God shows you also before the creation of the world. That he had predestined you to be adopted into God's family. And it says in 1 Peter chapter 2 that you are part of God's holy priesthood. A royal priesthood. And it says in Ephesians chapter 4 that he wants you to live a life worthy of the calling of being part of God's family. Amen? Amen? So it's not just for the Apostle Paul. It's for you, brothers and sisters. You are somebody valuable, someone special, someone God has saved and brought from the darkness to the light. And you would not be standing here or sitting here today if God had not put that other person in your path to which brought you that revelation that Jesus is the only way to salvation and the Father loves you. And so I want to say to you today, please share that message to those who God has allowed to have open ears to hear from you. Because you are the vehicle to which the Holy Spirit will work and help spread that light in a very dark, thick, dark world. So let me ask you a question. What's stopping you? 
fear. Exhaustion. Tired. There's a story about Seabiscuit. He was a racehorse that many years ago in America. I was privileged to go to see your racetrack this week. Very cool. So I thought I should talk about Seabiscuit because it's on my heart. You probably don't know the story, but this, this racehorse uh, had a very good lineage, but he was a small horse. No one really gave him much credit whatsoever. And he liked to sleep a lot, and he liked to eat a lot, and no one gave him any hope that he'd ever win a race. So they used Seabiscuit uh, to try to help puff up and build up the encouragement and the uh, confidence of other horses. So they trained actually Seabiscuit to lose, not to win. And they pushed him so hard and for so long that he actually became a very angry, bitter, and exhausted horse. And then when they were... They, the, the owners at that time, were done with Seabiscuit, got everything out of them they thought that they could. They sold him to a new owner. And the new owner, the reason he bought Seabiscuit is he saw something in his eye, and he wanted to give Seabiscuit a second chance. Do you know this story? And so over a period of time, they encouraged Seabiscuit the horse, and they built into his life, and they taught him how to be a horse again. And guess what happened? He started winning races, and he kept winning more and more and more and more and more races, and people around the entire country were wondering, what has happened to this old, lazy, good-for-nothing horse? How is he winning races now? After all, he's the smallest horse that's out there. And the owner said, well, it's because he thought he's the biggest horse in the field. And he had heart, and he just would not give up. And the owner said, after he kept winning race after race after race, you see, Seabiscuit, he always saw the future as the finish line. Brothers and sisters, Seabiscuit could be an analogy for our life. A lot of the world will try to just exhaust you, try to get everything they can out of you, every drop of life from you. They don't care about you oftentimes. You're a commodity to the world. But you have a Savior who saw potential in you, and he has been building you up, and he believes that you can win the race of life. And he wants you to go out there, and he wants you to win, and he wants you to take over the field. But you have to have a right view of the world. Even though it's dark, you have to understand they're lost. It's not the people, it's the spirit behind the people. Brother Andrew of Open Doors wrote this, As followers of Christ, we must take a bold step. We must shed the enemy image we have of those who persecute us. Because the moment we have an enemy image of anyone, God's love can no longer work through us to reach them. We must pray for and even love those who hate us. In reality, the way Christians live out their lives before others is the most powerful message we can share. 
It far transcends the words or methods we may try to employ to impact the needy world in the face of the challenging question, who is God? Christians must be able to point to our hearts and say, here is God. He lives in me, and I'm willing to die for him, and I'm also willing to die for you because that's what he did for us on the cross at Calvary. You know, it's interesting, Isaiah chapter 49 says, God says before you were born, the Lord called you to be his servant. It says, you say, may say to yourself at times, have I labored to no purpose? Have I spent my strength in vain and for nothing? But this is God's reply to you. You are my servant in whom I will display my splendor. And your reward is waiting for you. Christian, brother, sister, I hope you take those words to heart. And it says in Isaiah chapter 65 that God says, I revealed myself to those who did not ask for me. I was found by those who did not seek me. To a nation that did not call on my name, I said, here I am. Here I am. And he held out all day long his hands to an obstinate people. Brothers and sisters, how does that happen? If light is the if the light of Christ was in the world and he is now back in heaven, how does that happen? Well, it happened originally through Christ, it still happens through the church by the power of God's people and through the Holy Spirit, but it happens through you as well. So my question is, will you embrace that ancient call? Will you embrace the great commission? Will you embrace the great sandwich? Will you embrace and trust the words of Jesus Christ that he is with you to the very end of, to the, end of the age and that, he, that all things are in his control? If you believe that, then your life is free. But, brothers and sisters, I gave you some dark side. I said the morning is coming, but also the night. And I focused a lot on the night because I wanted you to understand there is a thick darkness in the world. But I wanted to tell you that there is you and Christ in you. That is the light that can penetrate that darkness. But I also want to give you hope about the morning. Not just the light, but the perpetual light. The morning light that will remain. And what is that morning light? Well, the four things that I just came up with off the top of my head was the last trumpet call. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 that at the last trumpet call, there will be at the twinkling of an eye, the moment that you will be changed and raised up from perishable to imperishable. There is a day coming in our future where God says enough is enough and you Christians will be with me. That's what God says. You have to believe that. That is part of the morning. What else is part of the morning? It says in John chapter 14, verses 2 through 4, that in my Father's house are many rooms, and Jesus went back there to prepare a place for you. That's part of the morning, brothers and sisters. That in a twinkling night, he's going to change you. That right now, he's there preparing a place for you. But also says in chapter Revelation, chap, Revelation chapter uh, uh, 21, and 17, that he will wipe away every tear. Some of you have really hard lives, but there is a day that's going to come when Jesus says, you will not cry anymore. That's in the morning. 
So at some point when God says it's time to go home, he's going to say, well done, good and faithful servant. You were obedient to following me no matter what, what happened in your life. And then lastly, when the morning comes, the last thing I, re- I thought of was that the enemy will be destroyed. And that last enemy to be destroyed is death. And it says in Revelation chapter First uh, Corinthians chapter fifteen twenty six, that the last enemy to be destroyed is death, and there will be no more mourning or crying or pain, for the older, old order of things has passed away. So I'm trying to build a picture for you, brothers and sisters. I'm sorry I threw a lot of scripture out at you. There is darkness. Can we agree to this? Can we agree that the light is Christ? And the light of Christ in you helps penetrate the world. And there is a darkness, but there is a morning. There is a perpetual light. And a day is rapidly coming when that's going to happen. But we still have a calling. We need to understand that we are called to go to the places to the four corners of the earth. I answered the call. Was I a super Christian when I answer the call? No. Am I super Christian now? I try better every day. But I was willing to do it because I knew that this is what God asked me to do. It. I, I, I've had an easier life than some of you. I live in a nice country, comfortable country. So I'm not saying that you have not experienced any of this. But I was willing to abandon all of that for the sake of Christ. And I'm standing here today. I could tell you stories to the cows come home about how I have seen God miraculous move in my ministry. Not because of anything that I did, but because he saw that we were trying to spread and canvas the light across a dark country. If I had my way, I would do even more. But God is sovereign, and he does what's in his will and in his timing, not just in Ukraine and not just in Africa and not just in Philippines and not just in Hong Kong and not just in China, but every country in the world because God is right and true when he says all authority has been given to Jesus. So let me just close by saying, quoting Isaiah 42 and 61, you were called and anointed to preach the good news to the poor. You will open the eyes of those who are blind. You will bind up the brokenhearted. You will proclaim freedom to those who are in prison. You will comfort all those who mourn. And you will proclaim the year of the Lord's favor through the power and encouragement of Jesus Christ. Not by yourself. You can't do it. It's overwhelming. But through the power of Jesus Christ. And I, I, want, you, I want to leave with you just that quote from Seabiscuit's second owner. When they said, why did Seabiscuit continue to win races when he lost so many beforehand? Well, when hope came back to him, he realized the future is the finish line, not today.
Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I just want to thank you so much for the opportunity to speak to these lovely people. I know it was a hard message in some ways, but it was a message that I think you wanted me to convey to this beautiful body of Christ. Lord, we, we, we know that we live in a dark world, but we also know that you brought salvation to the world. We know that you have called us to an ancient call, a wonderful call, to partner with you in transforming lives for Jesus Christ, for you. So, Lord, I pray that wherever my words touched a life today, help them to answer that call to partner with you, whatever that looks like in their life, Lord, whether that is actually becoming a full-time missionary, whether that is being a missionary and a servant to those people who you've placed in their lives here in Hong Kong, whether that's investing in God's kingdom financially or prayerfully or some other way. But I pray, Lord, that you inspire hearts and transform minds to realize that it's not about what others do. It's about what they do. And I pray, Lord, a special anointing upon this congregation and upon every person here that they will not only be a beacon of light in this part of Hong Kong, but that you will use them to just bring much more light upon Hong Kong and beyond. I know you can do it, Lord, because all things are in your hands. That's in your name I pray, Lord. Amen. Thank you.